Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everyone. Welcome back into the Moment of Cluth podcast. And congratulations, because we have officially made it halfway through 2020. And July better come in, sit down, and not touch anything because I am done. I can't handle anymore. Now, despite the uptick in coronavirus cases, sports are returning this month. In the NHL, training facilities are reopening and the league is finalizing its plan to save the season. This week's guest is Colorado Avalanche forward Colin Wilson. Colin and I know each other from college, so our conversation ranges from what it's like to be a third-generation NHLer. He sheds some light on how hard it is to quickly ramp up for a season and the effect the quarantine bubble might have on its players. Hello. Thank you for coming on the Moment of Cluth podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. You manifested yourself onto this podcast. Exactly. It's all I've been doing. So how's it been going? Because it's been about three and a half months, almost four months since hockey stopped because of COVID. Um, yeah, for me, I've been in, in a bit of a unique situation because I had the double hip surgery before this all happened. So I was already kind of in quarantine mode, um, but it is nice to have the camps open and be able, being able to go to the rink, even though I was still allowed to throughout the, throughout the time. So it's nice to have the guys back. Yeah, what's the the mood in the locker room right now? Because I don't know if you saw this, but 16 players in the NBA tested positive for COVID, and they're getting ready to launch at the end of July. So what's the mood in the NHL? I think it's kind of the same. It's just magnified what everybody else is feeling. I think just kind of that unknown. Um, I think everybody's geared up to get going. Um, I think it takes a lot, and I think people kind of underestimate how much it takes mentally and physically to get ready for a season and, and to play at that level. But I think everybody's dealing with it pretty well. I think everybody's pretty mentally strong playing in professional sport. Talk about that. What does it take to mentally and physically prepare yourself to resume play? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's a gearing up process. I mean, your nervous system takes an absolute beating, just, uh, you know, gearing up and being uncomfortable, kind of pushing through pain, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think, um, for it to suddenly happen very abruptly, the season ending and all of a sudden you have to ramp up really quickly. Um, I think it just takes a toll on you a little bit, but everybody seems to be doing well with it again. So right now the plan is 24 team playoff. Yeah. 24 team playoff. And, uh, it's, I think it's a qualifying round. Um, there's eight teams with a buy four from each conference and uh, the other ones are going to duel it out to get there. I think that they're sticking with the original plan of the hub cities there. They had narrowed it down to two and that's the most I know. And even then it's changing every day. So yeah, that's the plan right now. So what's the mindset of if you have to leave home base for a little bit and go play in two specific cities, how does that take a toll on people who have wives, girlfriends, children that they're going to have to leave? Yeah, I think these are the questions everybody's kind of asking themselves. Um, you know, uh, I think as athletes, we're all used to making sacrifices. And this is going to be a little bit more of a major one, especially if you're, you know, even for the guys who have families, that's very hard to just leave your families behind. Um, and even for single guys to just go into a hotel room and you're just staring at the wall, but you can't leave. I mean, that's a major um, sacrifice as well. So I think it's going to be something that um, is going to affect affect a lot of players and 
but at the same time, if it's to get the get the Stanley Cup awarded, I think guys are willing to do it. I think it's kind of funny about the comment you made about the young single guys because that's like one of the benefits of being a young NHL player. Like you've come into this money, you're now playing in the NHL, and with that comes chicks. And now you can't have those girls in your hotel room because you're putting the entire league at risk. Yeah, well, we'll see who makes <laughs> who pushes that and who doesn't. Uh, I'm sure they'll have the. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure they'll have the hotel on lockdown. But yes, that is certainly certainly an issue. Maybe they'll be keeping a little bit, uh, yeah, closer eyes on uh, the 21 year olds. What a sacrifice you guys are making for our country. Those truly, truly. <laughs> well, um, how are you feeling? Because you had this double hip surgery and you've faced a little bit of adversity in your career up until this point with some injuries. How are you feeling? Yeah, I think it's all kind of come to a head. I've been, I had my first hip groin injury when I was 16. And since then it's been chronic. So I played, uh, this is my 11th year, although I only played nine games. Um, the last yeah, 14 years have just been kind of a battle. So yeah, there's certainly been times earlier when I thought about hanging them up and um, I don't know, looking at a different life, but, and I feel like now with the, the hip surgeries, I honestly pushed it to the point where finally I had to get them. So I'm kind of feeling the karma, if you will, of pushing through it, but you know what? I'm, I'm happy I've pushed through it. I think everybody has to push through some mental things some physical things. And, um, you know, it was certainly challenging throughout my career to deal with that for 14 years, but I'm glad mm -hmm. I did. Um, you are a third generation hockey player your dad played professional your your grandpa's credited with bringing skaters to the u.s right did i get that right wow you sure did he brought uh <laughs> yeah the first two swedish players over to the nhl so did you ever feel like this path was carved out for you and you didn't have a choice oh yeah <laughs> i think it was uh i mean on top of that though everybody like where i'm from in winnipeg everybody's trying to make the NHL. Everybody has a son. He pops out and everybody's like, oh, this kid's going to be in the NHL. He's going <laughs> to be on the Rangers for sure. And I'm going to do everything in my power. So I think being in Winnipeg, it felt almost like an advantage. That's all I knew. And so to have, you know, a grandfather and a dad who both played in the NHL was certainly an advantage, but um, it put more pressure certainly on uh, myself succeeding I, I felt in the home, I think everybody in the family certainly took pride in it, but um, still some very valuable advice that not other people were getting at eight years old. So I'll take it. Could you imagine if you just didn't have the skill set to go pro? Like what if you were just the kid that couldn't skate? Yeah. I mean, that would have been, would have been easier. It would have been an easier out, but at the same time, I mean, to have, uh, I still believe I was given the genetics from my grandfather and dad. Like there was, there are certain things, I mean, to get to, you know, six, one, six, two, mm -hmm. um, is certainly helpful coordination, things like that. So it would have been, it would have been a completely different life and something I certainly think about, but I'm, I'm very happy with the path. I don't know if I would have left Winnipeg and now I'm living in Denver. So it's great. Yeah. You've got to live in some cool places. So we met in college at Boston University. And I'm just going to go on the record and say this, you were definitely golden boy at BU. You were one of the star players on that championship team. And after the first year, it was, it, I think it was your second year, my first year in school, you went pro. And I remember you struggling a little bit with leaving your friends and not wanting to be missing out on those college experiences. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. 
it's very it's interesting because i i don't know like almost it was like subconscious what like me missing everybody because in my head i was going i don't care i just want to power through get to the nhl college is just a stepping stone whatever but yeah as soon as i left all of a sudden i was a 19 year old um hanging out with 36 year olds mm -hmm. uh with kids as opposed to you know the option of being in college where i'm hanging out with a bunch of people my age kind of going through the same life experiences um so yeah it was it was definitely difficult more more difficult than i was aware of or thought it was going to be so you know there's a lot of missing missing college missing my friends missing experiences that normal people get to have i mean my high school experience was kind of the exact same thing where i was basically just there to play hockey i, I went to school three times a week and then traveled on the weekend. So, you know, those are the little things you miss out on um, in life. And, you know, it's just a part of, you know, the sacrifice towards athletics, I guess. Is that something that you would, if you have a son, put your son into, or would you want him to have the option of having that normal life? Um, yeah, I mean, I think about that a lot. I don't know, I think I'd give him, give him a guitar or something. <laughs> but um, You're gonna be know. an artist. Yeah, no, I'm literally just going to be like, here's a guitar and here's like a pen and some, or pardon me, some a, a paper and some paint, create some stuff. Maybe <laughs> let's see if we can get another side of your brain activated here. Um, no, I think I, I'm still very happy that my, my father played um, college hockey versus junior because mm -hmm. all my friends who, who I grew up with, everybody went the junior route, which... <laughs> it's not nearly as good as being able to play at Boston university or something like that. So mm -hmm. I'm at least happy with that. It'll, it would be interesting to see how I would guide, guide my son and, um, and point him in which direction. I think I just still want to point him in the direction of the path of athletics, but at the same time, maybe to develop some other aspects of life a little bit better. I think being an athlete too, your, your brain is shaped around like that play to the whistle mentality, which, can translate to being successful out of sports. So I know that growing up figure skating, at least that's why I am the way I am today because I don't give up. And that's something to be said for who you are today, that you don't give up even after multiple hip surgeries, you're still back at it training for another season 11 years later. Yeah, no, there's, there's tons of attributes that I got from the game. Um, yeah, without a doubt. And I think that's, that's certainly one of them is you have to deal with adversity at a very young age. You have to deal with the ups and downs of life, essentially. Like, I mean, you have a good game, you have a bad game. How do you react to that? How do you react to injuries, things that you can't control? How, and then at the same time, you have this community, this room that you get to have, which is like a pretty, pretty beautiful and unique thing. Obviously, hockey culture seems to be coming up as an issue at the time, but that's something else we can dive into at another time. But um, it's something that yeah, it was extremely valuable to me in shaping, uh, shaping myself. I saw something on the internet. Some broadcaster said nobody cares about hockey at some point. How do you react to people saying hockey is like a D-list sport? It's funny. We were, uh, my girlfriend and I were watching John Oliver and it was like, all, and it was at the very beginning of the quarantine. And he said, Oh, all the major sports are shut down and hockey. And we both <laughs> started, started laughing. Um, I don't know. It, it is a weird thing. I think it's, we're, we're, we're slightly behind basketball and football to be completely honest in the States, but at the same time where I grew up, hockey is everything. I mm -hmm. didn't even watch, I didn't watch anything else. So I think it's, 
I think it's there. I don't maybe if if basketball and football are A list were and and baseball were like A minus. <laughs> I, I think that that's what's happening. Um, I mean, that's actually one of the reasons I went to Boston University was because we didn't have a football team. Yeah. And I couldn't, I didn't understand the concept of like football being, you know, seen as greater than. So that's why I went to BU. I grew up in a hockey household. So it's the same here. Like, and I think anywhere that's got a cold climate, there's a hockey team in that city. So it's interesting though, because hockey is the lowest paid professional sport. Mm -hmm. Well, it is, but it's still, our salaries are pretty good. I mean, if you compare it to like an MLS salary, um, I mean, we're still up there. Um, it just depends. I don't know. I start going into ratios and things like that because obviously basketball players get paid a lot. Um, mm -hmm. But there's only 10 guys on a team versus 23. Um, I think if you look at revenue, yeah, our revenue is about half of half of basketball and a quarter of football. So it's making its way there. I think the league's doing a good job of growing it. But like like you said, you know, you go to Chicago, you go to Minnesota, um, Pittsburgh, all these New York, like the Rangers, you know, Boston. And, and these are places where, you know, hockey's certainly right there um, with yeah. the, the rest of the sport. So, you know, it just depends. I mean, the U.S. and North America is a huge place. So, How do you think the NHL can grow the game? How can they get that same respect that the NBA has? Yeah, I think it's more, it's more of a challenge just because people typically follow what they play. And yeah, so, I mean, you look at like the Gretzky effect in LA, people started playing it because they were exposed to Gretzky. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you see all these young kids coming up playing hockey in California. So you can't have a Gretzky and put them in every city and every state in the US, but I think that there's maybe making it more accessible, a little bit more affordable in some of these other places get, has, has the ability to have more people playing and following the game. And obviously I think the NHL is right in trying to get people to the game. Because once you get them to the game, people realize just how fast it is, how competitive it is, how athletic it is, and you don't get to see that as well on TV. Right. The puck is too small. It's too fast to actually follow um, on television, and you don't get the crowd effect. Speaking of sports starting again, and you've got the NBA working with the Players Association to get started again, you've got the NHL. It seems like the NHLPA has been uh, pretty on board with the NHL's plan to – get restarted but then there's the mlb not agreeing or seeing eye to eye what do you think of those players that were saying that they weren't willing to risk going back to work because they were going to have to take a prorated salary or they didn't want to leave their families and go play x amount of games honestly to each their own i think everybody's everybody has their own situation in life and their own fa their own feelings on it and i don't think you can necessarily take away from a guy being less competitive or less caring if he wants to be with his family mm -hmm. um or i mean honestly even if somebody says oh it's not worth it for my salary i mean man it's it's a grind to play sports i know people show up and see they just see a guy performing out there and it looks easy but they don't see how much work it actually takes um so yeah, I mean, I can't really judge anybody and everybody's going to have their own opinion and this is a very unique situation. So, um, yeah, and I'm not really that aware of the MLB because, again, I grew up in a household that didn't care about other sports. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel. I mean, you, if you have a PA of 700 people, there's going to be people with differing um, opinions. Right. Well, are you excited for the season to get started again? What are you hoping the outcome is? 
Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. I think, um, man, I, there's a lot of unknowns and I hope that it all goes, it all goes right. You know, because I still think, you know, that right now with an uptick in, um, in cases in the U S which we can certainly debate <laughs> politically, but, um, whether or not it's going to be shut down. I mean, there's just so many factors that, you know, I hope it all lines up for everybody. Um, and for me personally, I'm still out with, <laughs> with my hips, so I won't, it doesn't really factor into my life, but, um, for the rest of the guys, you know, I hope it starts up. So you've always struck me as somebody who, when I think of an athlete, I think of somebody who's kind of like a meathead or like only thinks in sports terms and thinks about girls and money, but you've always struck me as somebody who's really deep on many other levels. Was there ever a moment in your career or personal life where you realized that you weren't being authentic to who you were? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's kind of what you just described there is like, I, I went, I did a disservice to myself by for the first couple of years, just being a meathead. Like I truly, I was going, I was going to a good college. I loved my classes. I turned pro and all of a sudden I was just like, yes, partying girls, fantastic. <laughs> and I was like a hockey nerd truly in, in college, um, especially my first year. But I got, uh, yeah, dazzled by the lights of playing in the NHL. And it was something I always um, always wanted. And it was fun to have the status. And all of a sudden, I, I built up only one part of my life, which was that. And I kind of let the other things go to the wayside. So I think that was a time that I just, yeah, was being definitely inauthentic. And, but at the same time, I'm glad I, I'm still glad I did it and went through it. <laughs> What did you learn from that experience? Like, were you able to identify this is Colin Wilson, not the person you see on the banner in Nashville? Yeah, I think, I think it just takes time to, it, it takes time to, sh to feel how kind of hollow actually that lifestyle is. And you have to kind of, it's like, what can I, what can I fall back on that is truly authentic me and that I get, um, authentic experiences from so all of a sudden those other things start to fall by the wayside you start developing the parts of your life that um, are in fact you so I think that that would be which came honestly when I got a girlfriend for the first time and realized oh shit I have I have I have a lot of work to do here so um, yeah it's just I think it's a part of life and a part of being a 19 year old playing a professional sport what kind of work did you do when you realized that did you read books and watch YouTubes like I do <laughs> Yes. Started getting hard into the self-growth. Um, I think, yeah, 23 was more just reading books. At the time I had a, a sports psychologist, if you want to call him that, but he more talked of, along the lines of consciousness and truth, things like that, which on which ended up put, pointing me more in a direction of reading on Buddhism and Hinduism, Taoism, um, and a little bit of the Western, um, Western ideas of truth and what religion is. Um, but I stuck to the Eastern because of my own stigma to the Western culture. Um, but yeah, that's what I started with. And certainly it's grown substantially further past that. I mean, ac across the room, I'm, I have a didgeridoo. So I've certainly <laughs> gotten a little weird with it. But um, yeah, that's pretty much uh, how it started when I was 23. And it certainly blossomed past that. So at the end of this podcast, I like to play a little game called Two Truths and a Lie. So you have to tell me two truths and a lie, all three in a row, and then I got to guess which one the lie is. Yeah, there is actually, I have to think now because there's one that you, I was going to do, but you actually called me out and you know it's the truth. So <laughs> um, 
Okay. <laughs> Let me think here. Okay. Um, I was born in Greenwich, Connecticut. I won the Hobie Baker and I'm a dual citizen. Uh, you won the Hobie Baker is the lie because I know you were born in Greenwich because your dad was playing for the Rangers and he's yeah. playing, so you're a dual citizen. <laughs> See, I, I, had, I was actually going to say, I thought, I thought if I brought up that I was a third generation NHLer that that would have been very difficult for you to get, but you brought it up in the podcast. So I get it. <laughs> yes. So you, you knocked them out. So yeah, did not win the Hobie Baker. Well, darn. Yeah, I don't have yeah, no trophies in the uh, trophy case. So. Oh, you just have an empty trophy case in your house. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've if I have one, nor will I ever. I don't know if I'm going to make a a shrine to myself. <laughs> I think you should honestly, like do some fun wallpaper with just your face on it. You could. Make yeah, no, that certainly could girlfriend be to wear. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on this podcast. I appreciate your time, and I hope that your hips heal. And excited to see what the abs do during this playoffs yeah me too see how it goes thanks for having me thanks for listening to the moment of clute podcast i'm your host megan clute for more episodes please subscribe and share this episode with others visit meganclute.com to get in touch head over to my youtube channel to watch and stay tuned for more great interviews Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.